Broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina on Sports Byline USA. Uniting sports fans everywhere, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Everything that has transpired since Leah was diagnosed with cancer has really been inspired by God. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. As a man of faith, man, it's just confirmation for me that, you know, that's what's real. Bringing you high-energy and thought-provoking sports talk with a purpose. This is about, like, the Lord's blessed opportunity and, and becoming, you grow and you learn things. Now, from his mic to your ears, this is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. So glad to be with you today. We will be joined by two great guests on the show today as Tim Brown will join us next segment to talk NFL free agency. We'll get his thoughts on the Oakland Raiders' big move to trade for Antonio Brown. And, of course, Tim Brown is is the, the Hall of Fame wide receiver and, and Mr. Raider, and so his perspective carries a lot of weight. And so it'll be interesting to hear what he says. And then later on today, we'll be joined by former major leaguer Brent Lillibridge. And he's doing some really cool stuff now that he's retired from Major League Baseball. And so we're going to ask him all about that, get his perspective on the current state of youth baseball. And we'll hear a little bit about his journey, career, and and all that sort of thing coming up in just a little bit. Also, toward the end of the show, we'll do our segment, Unpack This, and I'll give you my thought on NFL free agency and how it relates to our own lives Be sure to check out our website, unpackingit.com. On there, you can subscribe to our email devotional. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get in touch with me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. Thanks to everybody listening today on radio stations across the country. To those listening on Sirius XM Channel 211, we thank you as well. And those streaming online on the TuneIn Radio app and the iHeartRadio app, we say hello to you as well. We've got a great show in store. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back with Tim Brown right after this. Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Welcome back to Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. It's Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. We're talking sports, faith, and life. And I'm excited to talk about NFL free agency and plenty of other topics with our next guest. And joining us now is the Hall of Fame wide receiver, Tim Brown, from the Oakland Raiders. He won the Heisman Trophy at Notre Dame, was drafted sixth overall in the 1988 NFL Draft, was a nine-time Pro Bowler in the NFL. He's a husband, father, and a man of faith, and he wrote the book called The Making of a Man, Tim, so great to have you back on Unpacking It. How are you? I'm good, brother. How are you? 
I'm doing awesome. Really uh, glad to have you on. And and it was a, a wild week in the NFL and in your former team, <laughs> the, the the Raiders ended up stealing some of the, the major headlines trading for Antonio Brown. And so how impactful do you believe he can be on this team? Oh man, you know, I think he can make all the difference in the world. You know I mean? Anytime you have a go-to guy, everybody's going to be paying attention to him. So even if he's not putting up 150 yards a week, he's going to have a great uh, impact on the game. And that's, uh, that's what you need. I, I don't think the Raiders, you know, Mari was that guy, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, but last year he really never got into, uh, got into the groove with this offense. So, um, so I think it'd be great for Gruden and, and Carr and the guys to have somebody that they know they can, uh, they can hang on to. Were, were you surprised by this move or, or did you kind of see it coming? Um, well, you know, I, I thought that Antonio was really hurting himself by some of the things he was doing on Twitter and, and all that uh, kind of stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, I kept saying to people around me, you know, I hope this guy signs quick, quickly, you know, before people just say we don't want to deal with this guy. So, uh, but I think from that standpoint, you know, I got a, a heads up from the Raiders three or four days ahead of, ahead of time that they were going you know, take a shot at him. And uh, so they gave me his number, had me to call him and do all that stuff. So, so I guess uh, by the time the deal was signed, I was, I was expecting the deal to be signed. That's right. So it was a big move for sure. And so as you think back to, to your career, were, were there times when there were players added to the locker room or, or even players in that locker room while you were playing that maybe had the reputation of, of being uh, you know, selfish or just some of the things that are coming with Antonio Brown with how he demonstrated you know his kind of behavior in Pittsburgh how how do you as a leader in the locker room kind of handle that and embrace that well you know you you embrace what he does in the football field and uh, you have to deal with what happens in the locker room but you know the great thing about the locker room whatever happens in the locker room should stay in the locker room Uh, but I think as long as that selfishness doesn't show up show up on the football field then everything will be fine, you know. And uh, But if he wants to have his teammates to have his back, if he wants Raider Nation to have his back, then I think the thing that he he's going to understand pretty quickly is, you know, he's going to have to show a side to Raider Nation that they can adapt to. So the best thing, you know, and probably the worst thing that can happen to him at this point is to be prepared uh, compared to me. Yeah. Because everybody, you know, look at me and the way I handle things and, uh, and the way I went out and played the game. And so if you go out and play great football, that's one thing. But if you, if you don't play great football and you're known to be selfish, you know, people are going to, you know, uh, it's always going to be a tough, tough deal for him. But, you know, I think this guy has such a, a upside that uh, Raider Nation is going to forgive a lot of things that he, he, he may do <laughs> because of some of the things he's going to be doing on the football field. Uh, that, that's right. Hall of Famer Tim Brown, our guest right now on Unpacking It. And, and, and guys like you who, you know, played with, uh, you know, a level of, of respect and, and, and leadership and character, now as a, you know, a former player, a Hall of Fame player, do you find that this generation of players looks to you and, and listens to you? Do they seek out advice? What, what's that dynamic like? Well, I don't think they seek out advice, but uh, at the same time, you know, having a conversation with Antonio, he was very, very respectful and, uh, you know, aware of my career, uh, you know, so I, I think from that standpoint, 
it was uh, it was it was good. It was refreshing for me because I don't have an opportunity to speak with many of these guys, mm. and uh, to have that opportunity to speak with him and to have him say some of the things that he said was uh, was you know was was very very like I said refreshing. You know, I think I think the league. You know, I, I blame a lot of this on the league. Mm. You know, we told the league back when we were walking out in 2005 that there were certain things that they needed to do. I mean, if they wanted these young guys to have great respect for, for the players who were going out, you know, uh, there was there were some things that they needed to do differently, you know, to, to make sure that you put these guys on a real pedestal. Make sure you understand that these guys who have played the game and dedicated their lives and did this, they are worthy of whatever it is, you know. But I think from, you know, when the league just sort of treats us like, hey, hey, thanks, guys, we appreciate you, hmm. then, you know, these guys look around and say, well, what? Why should I be a Hall of Famer? What? What is that going to do for me? Hmm. You know, and they they don't really feel the need to be to play long enough or to do all the things they need to do to be a Hall of Famer. Wow! No, that's a fascinating perspective. So, so what are some of those practical things you think could happen, and and why aren't they happening? Why why wouldn't the league want that? Well, you know, I just think the league is is so used to being the league, and it's such a huge huge deal and they know they don't have to do anything. Uh, but I think they're seeing now that, you know, the guys, you look at, you know, the guys who are retired, they retired maybe early, mm. you know, because they got 50, 60, 70, $80 million in the bank. So, you know, the hall of fame is not going to put that much more money in their pocket per se. So why should they keep playing? If, um, you know, if, if there's no real monetary value to them playing, uh, being a hall of famer, they don't, you know, some of these guys, you know, they're, they're, their moms and dad can care less if, they, if they're in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. Mom got a bad car and a nice house. She cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so I, I don't know what those things are, you know, whether monetary or not. But I just think if, if you make being a Hall of Famer worth something or, uh, you know, you have your privileges, privileges because you're a Hall of Famer, I just think, you know, I mean, because when I walk in a room and somebody lets me go to the front because I'm a Hall of Famer, I didn't just make any money. You know, I didn't make any money doing that. But at the same time, that was a privilege because of me being a Hall of Famer. And, and man, that recognition separates you from all the other players that played. And I, it's just interesting right. to hear that it's been, uh, yeah, not as elevated as it, as it really should. And, and even along those lines, we're talking with Tim Brown here on Unpacking It. Another thing that I think gets lost in all of this, and it's free agent week, and, and so guys are switching teams. And, and for somebody like you, you're, you know, you're known as Mr. Raider, and you spent 16 seasons with the franchise. And, and even though you spent you know, your final year with, with Tampa, you're a, you're a Raider. And it's just not right. as common in today's really sports landscape spending your entire career with one team. What, what do you think players miss out by by not embracing that and, and how short-sighted may they be because they're always chasing that next team, that next contract, which happens to be somewhere else. Yeah, you know, I think the problem with that now is, you know, it's like you said, you know, when people think about Tim Brown, even though I did finish my, my last year with Tampa, uh, people know me as being a Raider. And Raider Nation understands that I am a Raider. And, uh, I mean, there was a point in my career where I didn't know if I would finish as a, career, uh, as a Raider. I mean, early in my career, I actually signed a deal with the Broncos because me and Mr. Davis couldn't get along. So I, I just figured that it was time to get, a, get up out of town instead of, <laughs> you know, fighting the same thing Marcus Allen tried to fight for so many years. Um, so that being said, you know, uh, the, the best thing I think that happened was that they brought me back 
And, you know, I realized at that point that I was going to be there for a while. And I locked into Raider Nation. I locked into everything about being a Raider. And I just rolled the thing out as long as I possibly can, uh, possibly could. And, and quite honestly, honestly, I was upset when they let me go because that was going to be my last year. And I wanted to do it in the silver and black. Uh. But uh, they, they, they didn't see fit to do that. But so, yeah, you know, I, I think, um, you know, these guys miss out on a lot, man. It, it's something to be able to walk you know, uh, walk around the state of California, uh, uh, really wherever, where Raider Nation is, 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 a, is around, and just hear people go, Mr. Raider, you know, or, yeah. or Raider Nation, or whatever, Raider, whatever, you know. I mean, that's something that uh, for the rest of your life you, you have uh, attached to you. No question. And I think it's so valuable for the player, and it's valuable for the franchise, and I just think it's kind of got lost in the shuffle for sure. Tim Brown is our guest right now on Unpacking It. He's a Hall of Famer, a Heisman Trophy winner, and he's known as Mr. Raider. We're going to take a quick break, but we've got plenty more to discuss with Tim. We're just getting started. We'll come back. We'll talk more faith, football, and life right here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. I'm Bryce Johnson, and we're in the middle of an awesome interview right now. Tim Brown, our guest right now on Unpacking It. And, and of course, we're, we're getting close to the NFL draft coming up. And, you know, back in 1988, you were a, a top prospect what, what do you remember about the, the draft process, like the, the month or two leading up to the draft? What, what comes to mind? Oh, man, you know, it was really, um, there was some talk that Atlanta, who had the number one pick, where they didn't know if they were going to go offense or defense. And uh, about a month prior, they decided that they were going to go uh, defense with Andre Bruce. I think they actually signed him or, you know, had the contract ready. I guess they couldn't sign him, but they had the contract ready before, you know, they knew they had negotiated the whole deal. So and we were upset because, you know, he had took less than the guy, the first round guy the year before, the first pick guy the year before. So it sort of set our market pretty low. Uh, but, you know, so after that, you know, my whole thing was getting to a team where I thought that I could grow. You know, my last year at Notre Dame, I spent in the wishbone offense. So, so playing receiver in the NFL was not going to be the easiest thing in the world for me. So, um, so I, I know, I knew, I didn't think that I can go to a team where I, I could be the savior right away and go out and day one, start playing, um, <clears throat> playing receiver, you know, the way I, I wanted to. So I think from that standpoint, man, getting to the Raiders was, was a real blessing. Now, I don't know what my agent told Cincinnati, Tampa Bay, uh, Detroit, um, who was it? It was Atlanta, Detroit, Cincinnati, Kansas city, and Tampa Bay. <laughs> So I don't know what he told them to get me to the Raiders. Yeah, but I think he told him I had a I had an auntie to die or something in the city or something crazy like that. So <laughs> that that's what it takes. No, that, that that's cool. And so even as you think back to, to then and, and the way that kind of it was set up and 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 the combine and all those different things, how much has it changed or what jumps out to you most about just how things are are so much different in the, the time leading up to the draft? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, um, I don't know if they had a Fisher Pro Days at the time, you know, um, you know, but I think I probably had one of the first Pro Days because I went to the Combine and I didn't, uh, all, the only thing I did was ran the 40. 
because that was the only question that I thought people had of me was mm. what um, what kind of forty time I ran. So I ran two sub four forties, and no one could believe what they what they were seeing. So they wanted me to run a third time, but I was like, I'm not running anymore. So Gil Brand, I never forget, he was chasing me out the building as I was walking out. He was mad because I wasn't doing any more drills. But um, I just didn't figure. I just didn't think that uh, what I had been told that the question mark was my speed. So mm-hmm. once I proved the people I could run, uh, we decided to leave. But uh, we did announce that I would be, you know, working out, um, you know, later on at Notre Dame. And um, so we had, I think at that time it was only 28 teams in the league. So uh, we had 27 of the 28 teams to show up. I, I still, I think that, that team that did show up was the Rams, <laughs> if I remember correctly. But, um, yeah, so, you know, we, we did what we had to do in a more controlled environment. And uh, things went well for us, but you know, yeah, I mean, it's totally different now. We, I didn't go to, we didn't have no New York deal. You know, I, I found out when I got drafted by the Raiders sitting in my apartment at, in South Bend. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it's it's totally totally different now, obviously. It, it is. It's a huge deal, and and all the the hype that that builds uh, the, these next few weeks for sure uh, before the the big draft. Tim Brown, our guest right now on unpacking it. Heisman Trophy winner at, at Notre Dame and, and Hall of Fame wide receiver in the NFL uh, with the, the Oakland Raiders. And, and, Tim, we love talking sports and football here on the show, but we also love talking faith and family and, and life and, and know that, that your faith is extremely important to you. And in, in keeping up with your, uh, your Twitter page, people can see you, know, you, you love posting Bible verses. And, and I'm just curious, what, what is your approach to studying scripture and and really diving into to God's word on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh man, that's the only way that you can stay strong, you know. I mean, um, you know, people think being a Christian is the easy thing to do. It it's it's not. <laughs> you know, it's not that you're gonna be perfect, but certainly if you're trying to do what God wants you to do in this world that we live in, it's uh it's gonna be difficult, especially if you're not, you know, um, getting your strength on a day-to-day basis, man. You know, whether that's by prayer or whether that's by, uh, well, both by prayer and by reading, you know what I mean? So uh, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to go to um, Israel, and I just came back from that trip saying I had to do something different. I had to, you know, I don't know what I could have done differently at the time, but when I got back, you know, what God laid on my heart was, hey, just put a scripture out every day. Hmm. You know, put a scripture out reminding people who I am, you know, and um, so so that's what I'm trying to do, man. You know, my kids sometimes get mad at me. Will you please stop posting scriptures, Dad, please? <laughs> Can you please do something fun? So oh. so every once in a while I do that once, um, you know, if, if I do something, I think it's fun. But uh, but for the most part, I, I just feel it's a great uh, avenue for me, be, to, for me to be able to get the word out to people who may not uh, think about it on a day-to-day basis, you know. No question. Get get in front of people, and, and, and we can learn and, and soak it in for sure. And so then for you personally, what, what has God been teaching you recently? What, what are some of the things that, that you've kind of just personally uh, grown or understood in a, in a new and fresh way? Uh, you know, patience, man, you know, I mean, things happen in your life, you know, whether they're good or bad. Um, and, you know, to me, it, it's all about, you know, uh, let me, let me just put it this way. Um, you know, years ago, I, I was so in tune to what I wanted to do more so than what God wanted, wanted me to do. Ooh. And I think, you know, once I got to the point 
that I understood that what I wanted to do wasn't necessarily what God wanted me to do. Even though what I wanted to do wasn't a bad thing, you know, it was something positive, but that's not the avenue God wanted me to take. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, once I realized that you may have a good idea, but God has a better idea yeah. because the idea or the plan that he has for you is going always going to be much better than the plan you have for yourself. Mm. It may be a tougher road. It may not be the, the exact way you want it to get there. But I think, you know, if we can ever get to that point, and, I, and that's my prayer on a day-to-day basis, Lord, allow me to hear your voice on a day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis and, and overrule my own voice because, you know, that's when you get into trouble, man. And that's when I, let me talk about me. I like talking about myself, <laughs> not other people. That's when Tim Brown gets in trouble is when Tim trying to do, tries to do what Tim, you know, thinks is best and not allowing, you know, the Holy Spirit to lead, lead him the way he should, you know. Amen. I'm right there with you. So I, I, I can I can agree. And, and it's man, it's so different when we actually yield to, to what he wants us to do and, and to get out of the way and let right. him let him move and work. And and it's remarkable what he'll do. And, and, and you, you mentioned the, uh, the the trip to Israel. That, that would probably take a full show to, to unpack and, and to discuss. <laughs> but uh, but but maybe one one big takeaway that you can share with us today that that might be an encouragement to us that, that you learned there. Well, you know, we, we had the opportunity. Well, there were two really big takeaways for me was, you know, um, uh, being baptized in the Jordan River. Yeah. Uh, that was that was huge. Um, and my wife and I got a chance to go in the tomb where Christ's body laid after, you know, the crucifixion. We had a chance to go and, and, and pray in the tomb, just the two of us. You know, you, you only get like two minutes in there because they got a line of a thousand people. Oh, I bet. But it was an amazing, amazing moment for you, you know. I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, look, you've been reading the Bible all your life. You've been talking God, you know, for most of your life, you know, but in that moment, God felt extremely real, <laughs> you know, and, you know, it felt like the Bible was like alive, you know, right in front of me. And um, so, you know, that's just something that I'll never forget. And, and quite frankly, I can't wait to uh, to go back. Oh, you'll be able to go back. That's that's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous and, no and, and desire to to make that trip myself. So that that's cool to hear. And wow, that, that's powerful stuff. Uh, as we're wrapping up with with Tim Brown here on Unpacking It. Now that you're no longer playing, what what are some of the other passions and and maybe what ways is God using you at this stage of your life? Well, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking, man. You know, men's I actually spoke at a men's conference last night here in Dallas, and oh, nice. uh, you know, try and go and speak to the youth as much as I can. I am one of the leaders of our of our of our church, the, the youth department um, here in Dallas, so. Uh, so I'm trying my best, and um, and it's really you know the the that kind of speaking and and working with the kids, man, is it, really what it's all about. And you know I find great uh, comfort in that, and and um, and and trying to do the right thing there, no doubt about it. Um, business wise, man, you know we we got so many things that we're we're able to get involved in. And uh, God has just been blessing in, in so many different ways. And we just uh, try and honor him in all we do, you know. And I think from that standpoint, you know, if you can get that done, you know. Um, you know, being an athlete, man, I was talking about this last night a little bit. You know, being an athlete, sometimes it's tough to give God the glory because, you know, you're working out and you're doing all the running and you're studying the plays, you're doing this. And you think, man, this is me. Hmm. But, you know, you have to realize it's God giving you the ability to do those things. So, That's right. um, so but for, for me, you know, to, to be able to uh, stand up and, 
and, uh, you know, talk to the kids and talk to the men or, you know, wherever I may be and be able to express, you know, the goodness of, of, of God is, uh, is something I'm always willing to do. Well, I, I can affirm it because I've heard you speak before when you were in Charlotte and, and did an awesome job. And so appreciate your your message and, and what you're doing to, to speak to men and, and the youth and, and appreciate all that you shared today with us on Unpacking It. And uh, it's, a, it's a fun time of the year as NFL fans with free agency and, and so cool to hear uh, what's going on with the Raiders and, and glad to hear you're, you're excited about the, the big move for Antonio Brown. And so uh, thanks for coming on to, to talk about it today. And, and we wish you the best with all that you're doing. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Really appreciate your time. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. He's Tim Brown, Mr. Raider joining us here on unpacking it coming up next. We're going to switch gears and talk a little baseball with Brent Lillibridge, the former major leaguer, is doing some awesome things now that he's retired, and he's going to come on to share all about it right after this. Sharing the personal side of sports, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson, on Sports Byline USA. Hey, hey, it's Bryce Johnson, and really appreciate you listening to the Unpacking It radio show each week. But I want to invite you to check out our website, unpackingit.com, so that you can sign up to receive Unpacking It each day in your email. That's right. We send out an encouraging, challenging, inspiring word uh, through email. It's, it's in written form. It's a, a devotional that takes a current sports story, relates it to the Bible. We call it Unpack This, and you can subscribe for free by going to unpackingit.com. It's designed to help you grow in your faith and, and help you understand the Bible better all with a little sports and some of the cool stories going on in the world of sports. And so we encourage you to check it out. It's for you, and it's about two minutes each weekday in your inbox. Check it out, unpackingit.com, and subscribe to Unpack This. And while you're at it, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Welcome back to Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. If you missed any part of our interview with Tim Brown, check out the podcast on unpackingit.com or anywhere podcasts are found. He has some really great things to share, football and faith-related and, and so really appreciated him being a part of the show today. Well, the baseball season is right around the corner, and joining us now is former Major Leaguer Brent Lillibridge. He played college baseball for the Washington Huskies and was drafted by the Pirates in the 2005 MLB Draft. He spent nine years playing professionally, and his career included time with the Braves, White Sox, Red Sox, Indians, Cubs, and Yankees. He was a great defender and utility player, starting at every position except for pitcher and catcher during his career. He is a husband, father, and a man of faith who now owns a facility called Base by Pros. He trains athletes holistically using biblical principles backed by science to create resilient and self-driven people. 
Brent. Thanks so much for being with us here on Unpacking It. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me, Bryce. All right. Well, we appreciate it. So we're going to jump into your story in, in just a little bit. But but first off, spring training is taking place right now. What what are the, the, the best memories of, of this time of year from your playing days? Oh, man. Uh, making the team. <laughs> That's <usually laughs> right. Memory. Um, no, I, I mean, spring training always felt like a kind of a blur. Um, because it was, you know, every single day grinding and, and, and trying to prepare yourself to, you know, look good. Because there's not one point in my career where I had a guaranteed contract. Um, I think only one year where I knew I had a roster spot for sure because I had a really good successful year the year before. Um, so it was, you know, this time of year, it's the last of the rosters and, and just looking to put yourself in position to, to make the team or become a starter. And, and so that challenge like was stressful, but it also brought up my best playing performances and, and really set me up for the, the season that went ahead. But man, there's a, a lot of stress that I, I, I still fall back on. or still kind of remember at this time of year versus necessarily like what maybe fans feel like is now we get to watch these guys play for six, seven innings instead of the young kids. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. Well, yeah. what, what was that dynamic like? Here you are, you know, a bunch of guys are, are fighting to make a spot as far as the relationships go. Because you're wanting to still, you know, you're hanging with the guys, you're, you're playing together, you, you want some level of teamwork, but at the same time, you're trying to stand out and separate yourself. So what's that dynamic like? Man, you know, now, knowing now, after being out for over four years, like, I think I would have handled it a little bit differently, just, you know, learning and understanding, like, if you, if you focus on what you can control and you, you love on other people in the process, like, you're, you're going to put yourself in the best position versus worrying about outcomes that we have no control over whether you're the guy you're competing against is has a hit or makes an error like you can't be willing that and you also can't be worrying about that you just have to take care of your business but honestly I, I was very fortunate um the guys i competed against or fought for starting positions with um they were all quality guys in the same spot we all kind of got where we were as kind of year-to-year -year free agents and you know uh, and owned by comp owned by the the league or i should say the teams but um, we just kind of pushed each other and grinded and, and knew that if we both were successful, either we both make it or we get picked up by somebody. Man, and now using that experience to help coach and train kids at this stage of your, your life is really cool. And, and so I know that that brings a ton of value. Uh, Brent Lillibridge, our guest right now on Unpacking It. And, and so you've been retired now for, for a few years. And, and so what was the transition like? from your playing days into what you're doing now and how important was it for you to remain associated with the sport of baseball? Yeah, I think I feel very fortunate, um, you know, being able to make enough money to, to make decisions, not, you know, out of desperation, more of like what I, I felt called to. And when I was playing, um, I had an, especially when I was at university of Washington, I had a coach my last year, my junior year that had some professional experience. And I like attached to him one because, mm. okay, you're where I want to be. Um, you know, he had great insight of it's a lot of character building stuff. Um, he really got me into elite position as a shortstop. We worked so hard on it within, you know, NCA rules um, and, and really grinded. And I realized right when I got drafted and, and I was so equipped for that, that life and my routine and just, taking care of my business that I accredited so much to his development of me and being on me. Cause he goes, listen, like, I don't, we know you're gonna get drafted, 
like unless something crazy happens, let's get you in a position not to only have a great season, but to set you up for what that's going to look like in the years ahead. And I credit a lot of them. I'm so close friends with them to my acceleration through the minor leagues. And so the goal was just to work with kids um, and try to get involved in the little leagues that were struggling a little bit with quality of content and coaches being, you know, in the right position to teach these kids to keep them in the game. Um, and it just really grew and uh, all our stuff has kind of changed over time and got more efficient and, and more, um, you know, more curriculum that's actually like on paper and, and we have really good processes now. Um, and so the building the baseball pros is doing building an athlete sports education really kind of realized exactly our mindset is it's not just about the sport. It's about building the education of a successful person, you know, learning character traits, learning how to set goals learning to know your identity and, and the passions you have and how to really maximize those things through a, a really a backing of, of, of faith of that Jesus has every one of us, you know, God created us for a purpose. Um, a, has We have specific passions that he's created in us to, you know, to pursue. And sometimes we just don't listen to it or we believe the lies that we're not equipped for that. You know, great speakers um, that I've seen or great kids, they believe the exact opposite of what they're gifted at. Oh, I can't do that. Hmm. But in the end, they were created for that. And, and our goal is to kind of pull out that through baseball and softball right now, but telling kids like, listen, like your investment in your sports in general, like in baseball, it's, it's the return on investment is exponential because of the work you put it in, you're loving what you do. Um, you're learning how to, you know, grind through adversity when you fail, but also, at the same time, like all the work you put in for very little fruit and what that is going to do, not only in your spirit and also in your character, but in your mind, you're setting your brain in a space where I choose passion. I choose what I feel like I'm called towards and I'm going to give it a hundred percent and I'm going to deal with failure, but failure is just an opportunity to learn. And all these processes that businesses and, and other vocations are looking for is these type of athletes. And if we can equip these kids, from the eight-year-old on to start buying these principles um, when they're malleable in their brains, like, mm. and they can create good habits. Ugh, dude, these, these kids can do something really special in this world. And we're just using it, you know, using a platform as baseball players. Oh man, that's, that's so neat to hear Brent Lillibridge, our guest right now on unpacking it, spent nine years playing professional baseball and, and played for the Braves, the White Sox, the Red Sox, Indians, Cubs, and Yankees. And, and is now, teaching, training athletes uh, holistically using biblical principles, and, and he's got a facility called Base by Pros uh, out in the state of Washington. Brent, man, we, we love talking baseball and, and love uh, just hearing about what you have going on today, uh, but we also love just hearing stories of, of faith and, and, and would love to, to really just kind of hear what, what were some of the, the key moments or, or even the key people that, that led you to put your faith in Jesus. Yeah. So I, I, I fell in love with Jesus at eight years old at a uh, Cedar Springs camp in uh, Granite Falls, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, you know, it was just an awesome opportunity. It was just a lot of fun and God just really met me in that, that, that space. But as you know, like your faith hopefully doesn't stop and just accepting Christ and, and believing in what he did for us at age eight, that it's grown in faith over time. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And I, I, I just feel very fortunate that I had a great family. Um, my parents were are believers and um, just strong in their faith and um, prayer warriors and 
Uh, I've always been a very good um, example of how to love other people. Um, and, and then on top of that, as I, as I see through these like kind of spaces in my life where, you know, my faith really had grown and, 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 and they always came through. And I think this is normal, right? Just like anything, like real growth comes through stress. Um, just like working out comes through like the stress of the weight. That's where I build muscle. And, and it is in those moments that I used to avoid, you know, in stress when I was younger and maybe even yesterday <laughs> trying to avoid <laughs> these things um, where I saw huge um, growth, growth in my faith and in my reliance on God and, and learning how to hear from him versus just speak to him. Um, and just this practicing of, you know, growing and in, in saying my recent, my confidence is going to come from hearing directly from him versus hope, you know, having the, this kind of blinder faith to say like, I hope he's going to be here um, as he is always here because he's omnipresent. This idea of, you know, I, I can actually have faith and knowing because of the, what he has spoken to me and what he's, you know, through scripture and through people that I can be fear, fearless instead of fearful. Mm. Um, and I see these moments in high school and I see these moments in college and I see these moments in, you know, my minor league career and major league career where I thought it was a bad time. I thought it was a, you know, it was a no way I'm going to get out of this kind of this feeling and realizing it was just an equipping. It's just a shift of my heart towards what God's calling was for me, equipping me for right this present point now. And the same thing he's doing for me right now um, is equipping me for something that's going to happen in the future. But, I just feel this calling consistently of just being in the present and saying like the past, the past is the past, the future. I have great plans for you, but you know, I have something special for today. I created it. You're still alive. Um, and today there's something special we're going to do together. Um, and no matter how bad you screw it up, I'm a little bit bigger than you. And, <laughs> Amen. and so, and so don't worry about that. Um, but in the process, like continue to pursue me and, and, and I'll give you the, correction so if i could name you know talk about like some specific events and all that stuff it's honestly every point in my you know i do a lot of journaling cool every point of struggle any point of struggle that i had where i was you know literally and figuratively on my knees um in in, in desperation is that there was god always heard and and there was always something you know, a day or a month or a year that was connected to that prayer or that, you know, struggle that I said, now I look back and say, okay, wow, if it wasn't for this, this space, this stress or this, you know, reliance, like I wouldn't be where I am today. Right. If I didn't finish my career, um, um, in, in 2014 and, and I wasn't in a spot where I just was, I knew that I was done. I didn't have a passion I had for the game. I wasn't and I didn't have this like drive to just be better, a better hitter and a better baseball player. Um, then I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have said yet, said no so easily. And I wouldn't have been able to be where I'm at working with these, these, these kids and organizations in the relationship that created in these four years. If I was still playing, the baseball pros wouldn't be where it's at. And, and I feel very fortunate that not worrying about, oh, I wish I could have played another four years. Cause my body still says I can. Hmm. Um, that, that that I don't regret that because of I just see these 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 turns or this you know just oh that's why you had me there that's why you focused on me and so I mean I think we all every every person in, in reflection sees that um, but I just I am very fortunate that for every stress there's been some kind of incredible growth when I'm obedient instead of being you know like I usually want to do is fight that and say I can do it and mm -hmm. it's just really cool to see God's faithfulness in that.
That's powerful stuff. Well, well, Brent, man, really appreciate you sharing all that, and and thanks so much for coming on the show today, and and really appreciate hearing about the the impact that you're having on uh, the next generation of, of athletes, and and so thankful that that God's using you in this way. So so keep up the great work, and and thanks again for for being a part of unpacking it today. Oh, Bryce, appreciate it so much. It was a lot of fun. He's Brent Lillibridge joining us here on unpacking it. So many great takeaways from our conversation with him coming up next we'll do our segment unpack this about nfl free agency this is unpacking it inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews more unpacking it with bryce johnson after this This is Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. It's time for our final segment of the day. We call it Unpack This, where I take a current sports story and relate it to the Bible and our own lives. So let's jump right in. The whole NFL free agent process is fascinating to watch because there are so many moving pieces. As soon as one player agrees to a deal, the domino effect takes place and forces other players and teams to go a different direction. General managers, agents, and players all have a role to play during free agency, and free agency ultimately comes down to timing. From a team's perspective, they can either be quick to sign players and possibly overpay them. They can wait and snag a guy for a discount or wait and miss out on the player completely. From a player's standpoint, he can quickly decide to sign with a team by accepting the first offer or wait to see if other teams offer even more money or end up waiting too long and missing out on the opportunity. Free agency is a wild time for decision-making and a tug-of-war between patience and acting quickly. The truth is, we experience periods like this in our own lives. Sometimes we act too hastily, and if we'd just waited for more information, we would have gone a better route. Other times, we procrastinate with a decision when we should have just jumped in immediately instead of watching the opportunity vanish. It's all about timing, and if we really trust God and believe He sees the big picture and actually knows what's best for us, then we can make wise decisions based on His timing and leading. It's up to us to know the difference between when He's asking us to wait and when to act quickly. The problems come when we rely on our own perspective instead of His leading and guidance. Proverbs tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Today, let's be encouraged to know that sometimes we need to wait and sometimes we should go for it. But either way, let's not make a move until the Lord says to. So I hope you're willing to unpack that for yourselves and really appreciate you joining me today and hope you'll stay connected with us throughout the week on social media and on unpackingit.com. If you have any thoughts about today's show, you can email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Until next time, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful week. This has been Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA and Sirius XM, Channel 211, Dan Patrick Radio.